Welcome to Lamestream here on the Full 40 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish, and you can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, hey, you can rate us, you can review us, you can subscribe to us. The reviewing part's kind of important. I mean, just it doesn't have to be flowery. It doesn't have to be long. Just, you know, write something. To, I mean, tell us how much you love us, but write something. Uh, and, uh, you know, tell somebody that you like the show. That's all we really ask. You you can write how much you love me and how much you are annoyed by Steve or vice versa. I'm pro- I'm assuming it's the other way around, but that's fine. It's whatever. Whatever you want, write in the review. We can safely assume it's the other way around. Yeah, whatever. Um, all right. Jason Swain is our guest today on the show. New midday host on WNML in Knoxville with Josh Ward, who's also been on the show before. Uh, so Josh and Swain is the new uh, afternoon show, I believe it's 12 to 3 Eastern time, so 11 to 2 hour time here in Nashville, if uh, God's time, if you're listening to it on the app or whatever. So um, Jason is a fa- uh, fascinating dude as an athlete, played on the U- University of Tennessee football team up until I think he, uh, 06, I believe was his final season. He and I overlapped for a couple of years there, played under Fulmer, and then just sort of started his own media career after taking a little time off and and is just a really thoughtful, hardworking um, interesting, driven, ambitious guy. And, and I totally agree with his philosophy on sports talk radio. <laughs> so, so it's easy for me to, uh, enjoy the conversation with Jason today. Hold on. Are you watching clueless on your TV behind I, you? I, I have no clue. Uh, it's whatever was on. That's, I don't feel like this is the, 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 the peak behind the curtain that people needed. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> but I digress. Hey, how about Adam Schefter? Yeah, so before we get to Jason Swain, um, we're going to touch on the Adam Schefter, Dwayne Haskins thing, I guess. Um, there is some new news about the Titan Stadium that actually broke on Wednesday morning, so we'll get to that as well. And then, of course, ratings and recommendations coming up later on in the program. Before we do that, Lamestream Sports Steve Cavendish is brought to you by who? Jaspers. Always brought to you by Jaspers. How's the lot over there, big guy? Uh, it's big, it's expansive, and it is always free. It's very real, very spectacular, and many people are talking about it. Um, and the food is great. The grab-and-go market, the game room, you guys have heard us talk about this. Uh, all of four top hospitality restaurants are phenomenal, but Jasper's is so much fun. Great place to watch the Predators now. They only have like nine games left to go. Uh, big win on Tuesday night, so um, yeah, just fighting for that, that wild card spot. You got Grizzlies now in the playoffs as the two seed, so lots of things to go watch over at Jasper's happy hour for Preds games, of course, $3 beers, $10 smash burgers. Go check out all of that great stuff. Um, also, s- go to Nash- the NashvilleBanner.com or just NashvilleBanner.com? NashvilleBanner.com. I didn't think there was a, an there's article no there. Yeah, there's articles on the website, not an article at the front of the URL. So NashvilleBanner.com. I see what you did there. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. <laughs> NashvilleBanner.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, get yourself some information and... Um, and support the uh, this this tiny little organization that's popped up here in the in the city after <laughs> after years of work. Little cottage industry, little 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 yeah. side hustle. Yeah, it's great stuff, uh, and you'll read a lot of Steve's really good work. So go check that out. Okay, so Shefty. All right, so I first saw the people's reaction to Adam Schefter's tweet about the passing of Dwayne Haskins before I actually saw the tweet. I saw the the internet explode and go nuts. And I thought, oh, oh, God, what did he do this time? He's had a garbage year with, you know, the, the Washington Football Club and Dan Snyder and all the ownership of there and then the John Gruden thing. And then he's got the Dalvin Cook thing. And, and then obviously people here in Nashville think that he did something terribly wrong with Derrick Henry's injury, I guess. I don't know. Um, but but it's been a bad year for Adam Schefter. Let's just call it that. I, I assumed that like he broke the news and the family didn't know that Dwayne Haskins had passed away or something. And, and that there was some sort of egregious ethical violation that Adam Schefter performed via Twitter. And, and then I saw the tweet and I was like, well, there's nothing in that tweet that's technically inaccurate. I, I if we want to argue the sensitivity of it, I guess we can. I, Steve, explain to me why the Internet is so mad and why the world is demanding an apology from Adam Schefter. Because the internet likes to be mad. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's it. There's no, I mean, I, I, you can tweak Adam Schefter for attempting to kind of sum up a guy's career in 280 characters, you know, at the moment his death is announced. I mean, this is why you don't write obits on Twitter and you, you write them, you write them elsewhere where you can provide a lot more depth and context but take your time with it but i mean no lies were told in that in that 
in that tweet, I mean, he was a standout at Ohio State. He was he struggled, you know, with the Redskins and you know just caught on with and with the Steelers. I I I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't get the outrage. People like to be mad, and, and and I guess and if and if it's insensitive to talk about that at, at, at the the time of the guy's death, it's what everybody was talking about. So I I don't know. I, I mean, I, I saw a lot of people in the former play, like players that are going like. How could you be insensitive? He's a man. He's a, I don't, again, I don't know his personal life, so I don't want to say like father, husband, you know, right. all that, all that kind of stuff. Cause I don't, but I don't, all the things, but like people are going, why, why don't, what he's a human being. Why don't you put all of that in the tweet? And I'm going, okay. I, I think that's implied, right? Like I, I, it's not Adam Schefter's job to mourn. I don't think, I don't think a, Adam Schefter human. was trying to, I don't think Adam Schefter was trying to slight Dwayne Haskins when he was doing it. Either. Right. I right. mean, he was just like, it was just like, Oh, this is, you know, this thing just happened. Uh, a lot that's why you read you know Schefter's feed that's why you read at you know that's why you read Woj's tweet uh, tweets that's why you read you know you follow a bunch of you know, Ian Rappaport a bunch yeah, of people because yeah. they because they you know that's how news gets delivered and you know, I, I I just I man I, <laughs> I, I I do not get it I uh, just grievance don't. grievance you got to find grievance Steve you're right everyone has to find grievance we're all offended by everything I've got to find some way that this offends me, that somebody did something wrong, and I'm aggrieved. I'm aggrieved, Steve. And for is. the record, Schefter can't be having that bad a year. He just got a he just got a new contract worth like nine million a year. So I mean, he's he's not. Don't don't weep for don't weep yeah, for Adam yeah, Schefter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't like being in a position to defend Adam Schefter, but when it comes to Adam Schefter versus the internet, the internet is worse. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the internet loses. And again, here's the thing: had he just put like in a tweet, the most basic of all things, like you know, NFL back NFL quarterback Dwayne Haskins dies in car accident, that's it. Then he's going to get ridiculed on the internet for being insensitive. So like, it's the same thing. Like it doesn't, you're not going to, you can't win. So uh, anyway, um, other pieces of news here before we get to Jason Swain, the Nate Rowell of Axios broke a little bit more, some more information, a key piece of some of the funding for the Titan stadium. Uh, it appears that they are going to this, the city is going to uh, discuss legislation before the end of the session here pretty quickly to raise the hotel tax. They already have the authority to raise it from 6% up to potentially 8%. They're saying they're going to raise it to 7%. So that is a visitor driven revenue stream of roughly 10 to $20 million per year. There's some estimate estimates from Butch Speared on in there that it could be upwards of 18 to $20 million per year. Steve, you can kind of explain how this works in terms of year over year costs, paying back bonds, all that kind of complicated nuanced stuff. But again, it could be upwards of $20 million a year of revenue of found money that could be help help to pay for a, a roof stadium, which also, of course, is, is attached to the roof part of the stadium because the hotels want the mega events. So uh, here's the here's the here's the important way to look at this. What the what the city doesn't want to do is pay for a lot of this out of their out of their own pocket. And so there's sort of two there's two or two big ways that you would do this through bonds one of them is called general obligation bonds the other one's called revenue bonds general obligations the bonds would be the things that you issue that city pays for that you and i as taxpayers pay for revenue bonds are are, are bonds that you take into the bond market and you say look we already have revenue attached to this that's already set aside for it you know this is a this is an already kind of paid for sort of thing and so that's the guarantee that you're putting up for the bond that you're telling, you know, the bond market, hey, this is a this is a, a safe thing for you to put your money into, and so they want to put as much of this in revenue bonds as humanly possible because that's the that's the thing that they can say, look, we're doing the Titans deal, we're trying to minimize the impact on taxpayers, and so if you know if we're at whatever 1.2 billion before the city's before the city's kind of piece of it kicks in uh, and, and the city, and we, we think it's a $1.8 billion deal or whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's a big number, but that, that five, 600 million that the city's going to have to come up with, you know, this could be over the life of, you know, over the life of 20 years, you know, this, this could be $250 million or, or, and, or, or more. It could be $400 million. It could be more, but I mean, you don't, you don't want to dedicate all of that tax money to it. I, I mean, I, don't, I haven't, I haven't looked at the, 
and they don't have the specifics on on kind of where the how much diversion there would be. But that hotel motel tax is important to the city. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to spend all of that. You yeah, know, yeah. just on a stadium. So uh, I don't know. We'll 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 see exactly how it's going to work. But they but, also get they also could get up two percent instead of one percent, and then double the <laughs> double the money. But we'll see about that. Here, so basically, all you need to know is there are big pieces of this. We've explained this before. Nate's explained this. Um, we've but they have to this. get they have to go to the state to do it, and that's why you're hearing about this right now is because they have to get the the state to sign off on this increase. Uh, the, the city can't just all of a sudden go. Oh, right. we're going to raise you know we're going to raise the motel tax you know, a yeah. point. Yeah. The legislation, the legislator has to sort of go through the process on this. So basically you need a big piece from the state. You need a big piece that's already been voted on from the sort of renovation upkeep tax, dis, you know, redirect that's already been approved. You've got the NFL putting in money, you got the Titans putting in money. Uh, and then you've got this potential big source here as well. The last final piece, and this is the one piece I want to ask you about. There's, there's going to have to be eventually a city paid for piece of this right? Where it's actual dollars. I'm just curious in your guesstimate, this is a total guess here. What do you think that number will eventually be? Is it a hundred million? Is it 200 million? It's probably, my guess would be under that number. And then well, what, what do you think would get approved by the legislator, the city council and the people of Nashville? Well, I mean, there's going to have to be, and what the city pays for is, is, is maybe a little bit different. I mean, the city is going to pay for the infrastructure around this. Uh, they're going to pay for the, you know, they're going to pay for the roads and the sewer and, and all, you know, kind of all of the, the things that make this happen. Uh, you know, they, I, they might kick in part on the stadium, but, but the city's big responsibility is going to be everything around it and making it work and making that, that area work as a, as a new sort of you know, housing and retail and whatever else kind of kind of piece on the on the east bank of the Cumberland River. And so there's going to be a number, you know, right. what I'm hearing is that uh, what I'm hearing is that is that is that, you know, maybe we'll get something to the council in the fall uh, okay. on all of this, which would make sense, because as we talked about before, you don't want to have this thing carrying into an election year. Right. You wouldn't have this thing wrapped up. Uh, and the council is going to want to put their fingerprints on this. Uh, they're going to want to, they're, they're going to scrutinize it. Uh, I, I don't think this is uh, Megan Barry's relationship with the council. I think it's fair to say was better uh, when the soccer stadium deal was done. than John Cooper's relationship is currently with the Metro council. And so there's going to have to be some work done by the, the Cooper administration to make all this work. Yep. There, there's, there's a reason that the last final piece will be, all right, what, what is Nashville paying for? And let's figure out who that works for and how much that is. So. And there's one big, there's one sort of big uh, thing to consider too. When, once it gets to the council, when, when the soccer stadium was voted on because of the, because of the fairgrounds component to it, and, and because of the referendum 10 years ago, it took 27 votes in the council in order to approve anything. It's only going to take 21 votes uh, to approve whatever it is they approve here. So it, it, it's a little bit less. Uh, it's a little bit less of a hurdle that they are showing that they are doing everything possible to pay for it as much as possible by other things before they get to the point where they have to ask Davidson County taxpayers to pay for the rest. And that they're so far, everything is sort of falling into place as expected. Uh, and so there's your, there's your latest on the Titans stadium. We will have ratings and recommendations coming up a little bit later on in the show, but there's your Adam Schefter outrage grievance commentary and your new news on the stadium. So without any more talk from us, here is the great and wonderful and amazing and very talented, hardworking Jason Swain. Jason, welcome to the show, man. We really appreciate you giving us some time. Uh, how are you, sir? Good to talk to you. I'm good. How are you guys? Do doing great, man. A little wet here in Nashville uh, as we're recording early in the week. First of all, congratulations on the new show, uh, Josh and Swain, of course, on WNML up there. We're going to get to that in just a little bit, but I got to start here, man. When, when you get done playing a sport that you've played your entire life, why on earth would you want to to cross over and join the evil empire with those of us in the media. Like, why would you, what, what, what was, what were you thinking, Jason? Uh, well, 
<laughs> Honestly, when I finished up playing, I didn't really want anything to do with football. You know, I needed a break um, because you, know, you have these dreams, you have these goals, and, you know, you don't reach them because of injury. And so I just needed a, I need, I just needed a break. And um, so I, I dibble-dabbled in different things. I was a caseworker uh, because I got a degree in sociology, so I wanted to help uh, kids. And so I did that. Uh, and then I was approached to do to do radio. Uh, I was approached to do radio uh, by a different station in town. And the reason why is I wanted to tell the story of the, of the athletes. So many guys that never played got all these opinions about uh, players on the field and they were wrong too much, to be honest. I, you know, I just, I just, I didn't, I didn't understand it, didn't, didn't, didn't really like it. And so uh, I just wanted to tell the story of the athlete that um, how, how tough it is to, to, you know, sometimes live in a tough household and uh, be the first person to ever go to college in their family and uh, all the things that go into uh, being an athlete. So I just wanted to kind of tell the side of the athlete and then uh, kind of the rest is history. That's a really interesting question. What do what do non-athletes that are that are doing a lot of radio and and like you said, there's a there's a lot of opinions out there. A lot, <laughs> a lot of them. Uh, what are, what are the biggest things they get wrong? What are, what do they not understand about uh, about athletes and players and teams? I don't I don't necessarily care for the the fact that people forget that these guys and girls are humans at the end of the day. They're not, when they're not robots, not machines, they have feelings. They have mothers and daughters and uh, moms, excuse me, mother, daughters, sons and, and, and dads and cousins. And I mean, like they're human at, at the end of the day. And I think uh, they're treated as objects way too much. And, um, you know, I try to give athletes grace as much as I can. Um, but I mean, they have they have feelings. Man, they're human, just like the rest of us. Do you think that that that's that's as I've gotten older, you know, I started just sort of being a guy with an opinion, right? Like I, I played ball up to high school, but I never did anything after that, and and so I don't have no I have no clue what it's like to play in college, in particular at a high level like in the SEC. But I but I I do feel like me, and I'll just speak for me personally. I I have changed and evolved in how I view the athlete. I think society has sort of changed and evolved. Do you think that we now, as a group of fans of college football and media in particular, do you think we've we've come around on that at all? Do you think we've changed in 2022 with all the name? Like everyone's okay with people getting paid now. Everyone's okay. Like, do you think that's changed? No, I think it has changed because. Uh, what social media has done is, is given the athlete more of a voice. They don't need a media member to tell the story. They can tell their own story. And in doing so, you get a chance to learn a lot about the athlete that you maybe didn't know pre-social pre media. I'm not one of these guys who used to play and who thinks that if you, if you, if you haven't played a sport, you shouldn't talk about it, you shouldn't have an opinion. Um, because I think there's a lot of people that have not played that have better opinions than guys that have played. You know, I saw some, you know, um, the former NFL players, top five quarterback list in the NFL. And I was like, are you kidding me? You play football? You got that top <laughs> quarterback list? So I'm not one of those guys. Uh, I just think there's some experiences that if you haven't played, you just would not know anything about. But uh, I'm not one of those guys that say, hey, if you ain't play, you have an opinion. Because I think – there's some great coaches who never played football uh, in the NFL right now and in college football. So I just wanted to make sure I clear that up. Um, but I think it has gotten better for sure. I think social media has helped with that. And certainly name, image, and likeness is going to allow that to go even further because we know these football coaches, these we know these college football coaches want to control everything. They want to control every message. They oh, want to yeah. control how much access there is, what, what, what we see on the practice field, what, what, what is said in, in an interview setting. Uh, I, I don't I've, I've literally asked Greg Sankey this Jason to his face I said do you think there'll ever be uh, more access to the athletes to give them a chance to tell their story because I think athletes are way better storytellers than anybody gives them credit for in terms of like while they're in school and he basically was like no that's probably never going to happen it's going to be up to the coaches do, do you think that this is where name image and likeness can truly like transcend and break down all those walls and we actually can hear all these ridiculously amazing stories about these guys and, and girls? No, a thousand percent. A thousand, a thousand percent. I think uh, you you will see that because um, if you have a multimedia 
company that wants to do a documentary on a certain player and willing to pay that player, what's going to stop anyone from making that happen? So, um, yeah, it's going to happen. It's already, I think, in the works. Uh, just, just kind of keep your eyes open. I'm pretty sure you'll you'll see some of those things um, around the SEC and around college football. Do you wish NIL had been had been in place when you were playing? Or hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, I like getting paid. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I would I would have been I would have been paid, man. Um, but it's all good. Uh, it you know my mom and dad didn't get together soon enough, so um, <laughs> they would have. Then maybe I'd have been getting paid with the NIL deal. But no, they were too they were too soon. They were too, they were they were too soon. They were, they were ahead soon. of their time. Way too soon. Way too soon. Waited a couple years. You you said uh you know you wanted people to sort of hear that perspective, the athlete's perspective, and like what you what do you want people to know about recruiting and sort because you mentioned like households and like where people are from and like we're all from different places and and sort of the beauty of the locker room is that it is this sort of conglomeration of everybody and personalities and backgrounds. What what is it that you want people to know about recruiting back in? I guess it would have been what oh three ish for you, right? Oh three oh four to oh, oh you know what what would what do people not know about recruiting from that era? Coaches lie. <laughs> I mean, simple as that. They make promises, they lie, and then when a player wants to transfer, then the player is the one who's not loyal. The player is the one that quit on their team or whatever. But no one really knows what was said in those living rooms to get that player to come to that school. And so many times the players crucified for saying, no, man, I can't trust you anymore. Like, I can't trust you. You said one thing to my parents' face in my house and you're doing the opposite. How can I play hard for you? How can I, uh, you know, run through a brick wall for you? And um, the players, if they came out and said that, then they'll be crucified by fan bases on social media and the player will have to put their account on private. So, I think that's side of it that, that many people don't don't realize. Um, the thing I hate about recruiting now is is uh, commitments mean nothing. I mean absolutely nothing anymore. Uh, another thing I hate about recruiting is so, I don't know what coach did this or what school, uh, but they deserve to be um, yeah pointed out <laughs> and, and put in the middle of the, the town and tarred and feathered um, <laughs> somewhere along the line. A coach thought it was a good idea to allow someone from high school who has never put any work in in college to wear the uniform of that college. And now every school, when a kid goes on their recruiting visit, allows those kids to put on that uniform. And I think it's disrespectful. I think it's disrespectful to guys that that wore the uniform before them. They actually made a commitment that signed that piece of paper that practice their butt off. And it meant something putting on that that Tennessee T or the Georgia G or the Alabama uh, colors or or the you know the Gators logo like it means something to put on that uniform. You know when I was um, going on recruiting visits, they just put your 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 name on the jersey and hung it up in the lockers, and so you can kind of visualize yourself, you know, having your name on that jersey. But now, damn, I mean, you put on the whole uniform. That putting on a uniform. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, coaches grinding on recruits, and it's just weird. <laughs> it's, it's silly to me. It's just silly to me. And so, like, it just, like, so, and, and it's really about the arm's length in recruiting. And if your neighbor do it, then you have to do it too because you don't want to get left behind. Um, I get that. Recruiting is so competitive. But, man, somebody messed it up. Somebody messed it up because now everyone is doing it. And I just don't know if, if these players come into a school really, really understanding and having a, a respect for the uniform that they're, they're, that they're putting on. Can, can we all just blame Instagram for that? Can we just like... Oh, it's so annoying. And I don't want <laughs> to be the guy that, that screams at the, the clouds and the old guy. <laughs> I don't want to sound like that, but like, I just feel like it, like it should mean something to put on a uniform. You got to earn it. Like you got to... Like you got to give up something to get that uniform. All you got to do is just show up and you put on the same uniform that Peyton Manning, Danny Warfel, Jamal Lewis, Sean Alexander, all these greats in the SEC, 
they they put on that uniform, but all you got to do is show up. It's silly look, to me. Look, I've, I've yelled at a lot of clouds in my day, too. But he, what's interesting is I understand where you're coming from on this, but you also have to know why. Yeah, I know. They do it because they get all the publicity and it feels good and it looks good on social and the the photos are cool and 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 all that stuff. You know, are we in a different because what it is, it's just different everything, right? It's different technology, it's different media, it's different generation of athlete, it's different generation of coach. What what was how do you coach a player to because Josh Heupel coach is very different than Philip Fulmer coach, right? In terms of personal interaction. So how how has that changed from a working with young people and, and, you know, there's, there's plenty of positives. I'm sure there's plenty of older folk that think, man, there's some negatives with how we treat kids these days too. But what, what are you, what are yours? What is your perspective on like, we know why the stupid uniform thing happens on social media because we're trying to make everybody feel great and, and all that stuff. Yeah. How has coaching those players and developing them changed? Well, the players have more leverage now and you can't MF a player all day long and, and question his manhood and, talk about, you know, his upbringing and where he's from, he'll just leave. And he'll go play at your rival. And now, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you tried to transfer and the coach would tell you you couldn't transfer to, number one, a, uh, a competitor, and you couldn't transfer to a place that you recruit against. Well, hell, that's everybody in the country. And it was just really silly. So once you signed, he was kind of a prisoner. I mean, you really couldn't transfer anywhere good, honestly. Now, I think coaches have to be a little bit careful with some of the things that they say and how they treat their players. I mean, we've seen around college football, strength coaches getting fired, coaches getting fired, head coaches getting fired because it's just the way that you that you talk to people. And you don't have to degrade them. You don't have to, um, you know, treat them like they're subhuman to get your point across. So uh, the good guys, I think, um, win here because you can you can love up on your player you can treat your player with respect and still coach him without calling him out of his name so um i have no problem with that i, I like it it don't bother me um it didn't bother me that much the coach got into my face um, but there's some there's some players that that don't handle that well how do i help me understand kind of the balance that's going on right now as a fan because on the one hand, I'm really happy that players can can make their own choices and that if if somebody's in a bad situation where they don't mesh with a coaching staff or whatever else, they're not trapped in a they're not trapped in a program they don't want to be in. Um, but the flip side of that is there is there's a lot of movement going around and I you know I, I see it in I see it in basketball right now. I see I see there's almost an evolution of uh, you know, you play it, you play in a mid-major for a year or two, and then you, and then you level up if you're really good. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're playing for a power, you know, a power five conference, uh, same, some of that's going on in, in, in football too. How should I feel about that as a fan? How do I, how do I kind of like reconcile those tensions of, you know, I don't want to get attached to, to, to a player because maybe, Maybe they're just going to peace out after a year and be like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go play for. I'm going to go start at middle linebacker for my rival. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the tough part. That's the tough part. Um, yeah, I think it changes the way you fan for sure. Um, you know, before like you knew where player was from and you knew his stats from high school and um, you, you felt like that player picked your school because. He really loved your traditions and he loved your school colors. You don't give a damn about that right now. They, they care about, are you helping me get to the league and do you have the best NIL deal? Um, you know, there's a, there's a flip side to the transfer uh, conversation. Like some kids can't handle adversity. They don't get their way and they tuck tail and run. And that's going to set a bad president when you look at um, – the rest of their lives after football are you gonna tuck tail and run when things are not yeah. going your way are you gonna stay there fight get better and overcome so there's a, a fine line between you have to transfer because it's the best for you and you you should go or uh, oh excuse me and um you just you're just running you're true freshman okay you didn't play a lot the first three games or the first four games and then you want to transfer like that's 
that's that's the other side of it that um, coaches are complaining about that the portal is allowing guys to have an easy out, and that is teaching some bad lessons for life. Um, so, man, the portal is it's um it's a double edged sword. I think if you go to a smaller school, you get better, and you ball out. I would you should want to go somewhere else so you can be on a bigger stage and have better opportunities. Uh, you shouldn't feel a certain type of way against that player. That player put that work in to get better, and he wants to be on the bigger stage. So don't hate on him. Just understand it's just a part of business right now. Steve's just upset that all five starters for Belmont have left in in one year off the basketball team. That's that He's, he's just uh, upset. No, what, what's interesting is all of these conversations, really like every one of these questions and topics, is all kind of the same. It's this double-edged sword of progress. Yeah. And and progress, by and large, is mostly good, but it comes along with a bunch of other stuff that we kind of have to deal with. And and so I would still argue that I think we're in a better place today than we were in, let's say, 19, you know, 78 or 88 or 98. But like, I do, there doesn't mean there, there aren't new challenges that, that come along with all this stuff. So let's get to, let's get to Swain event and as a, as an idea and a concept. And when you kind of came up with it and you launched it, I want to say, did you guys do video sort of right out of the gate or did that come later? Because I feel like you guys were doing video, basically broadcasting visually your radio content, but doing it visually kind of ahead of everybody else. Well, give us the background on the Swain event, how it came about, why you wanted to do it, and then why video? Um, so when I first got into radio, it was uh, 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Um, and I was just just doing, just doing my show for a, you know, traditional radio station. And um, the radio station, a couple of years after that, uh, went under. And when it went under, I made a decision to, to keep going. And uh, I did it independently. So uh, three years after I started, uh, 2014, I decided to go independent, which that meant buying my own airtime, selling my own ads, uh, doing everything by myself, uh, own equipment, all that stuff to a certain extent. Um, and then I want to say about four years ago, the station like sold, sold, like no more station. Um, and then I had to make a decision on, okay, like I got to build a studio. I got to build my own studio. So that's what I did. I got clearance from the wife and I built a <laughs> studio right here. Uh, in the house and um, basically have everything that a normal radio station has. So uh, are you extra, extra bedroom in the basement? Where are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess it would be called the basement, but yeah, I'm downstairs away from, I took a room and uh, built a wall and it's, but it's technically the basement. Uh, but yeah, we, we just built a studio and uh, 13 by 13, a lot of space, a lot of equipment. Um, so we just put our head down, start grinding and, um, went all digital. Um, uh, about two and a half years ago, somewhere around there, uh, right before COVID hit, actually went all digital. Uh, I was buying some airtime for my for my um, a station uh, out in Blunt County, and um, I just didn't know if I was really getting much return on that. So. I was like, I'm going all digital, man. I'm going all digital. Um, I've always had a mobile app myself. Um, well before, you know, apps really started hitting. Um, but then I had to recreate and uh, basically redevelop a brand new app right right as COVID hit. And so um, the video component was part of it because we wanted to be able to engage and connect with, with our listeners and, and viewers and just give people more ways to consume the show. So uh, yeah, we've been doing the video for, man, it's probably been probably five, five years or so, five, six years or so. Um, and then the app doing, doing those things. So um, it wasn't many opportunities in the market as far as radio stations. So I just said, I'll just create my own. And uh, that's what I did. So how did how did using the video component change the way you delivered content to people? Because you can, like, you can hear me, but, like, if you see me, you see my reactions, like, you see my mannerisms when I'm answering questions, I think it just adds more to, to, to the discussion. I mean, when you're having a conversation with somebody, 
there's sometimes you don't have to even say anything. It's just it's that look you give that person on whether you agree or disagree. And so for some people who work from home because of COVID, there's still people still at home. I mean, they can just flip on YouTube or flip on um, you know whatever social media app they want to use, Facebook Live, and stream it to their TV and just watch the show. So you know we wanted to just be um, we we want everybody's different, and we wanted to appeal to everybody. Some people are visual. Some people rather be in the car and listen to the show. Uh, we don't condone watching the show while you drive. That's, that's <laughs> um, but like there's people at home that hey they they want to sit down and watch it like it was a TV show. So that's kind of how we wanted to present it. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business hosted by Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner, and it is brought to you by Jaspers. It's always brought to you by Jaspers. <laughs> I thought you were going to break into a show tune there for a uh, second. You know, <laughs> might have been, been watching some, uh, <laughs> some, some documentaries on some, uh, on some uh, Broadway. Okay. Documentaries on Broadway. Sounds like a riveting week in the Cavendish household. Uh, you know. So if you need to get out of the house, like Steve clearly does, go to Jasper's, everybody, where you can watch Preds games. You can park for free and you get $3 beers, $10 burgers. You got shuffleboard, hockey, air hockey. You got the game room. You got the grab and go market. Um, the menu is slightly different. I'm, I'm all in on the flatbreads lately. I've been eating a lot of the flatbreads, which basically are just pizzas. It's like a fancy way to just call it a pizza, um, but they're delicious. They're amazing. They've got like all different kinds of like really unique uh, flavor. It's why, profiles, so it's why Jasper's is the next evolution of the sports bar. It's not just a pizza. It's evolved. It's a flatbread. It's a bread that's flat. And then you put sauce on it and then other things and then cheese and you don't call it a pizza. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they've got great beer selection. Uh, and again, the Preds have, like, I, by the time you're listening to this, I think eight games left to go in the regular season. They are trying to clinch one of those wild card spots. It's Get, uh, get it's, in on the best deal in town while you can. It, it, re- it really is. Like, again, six, for 16 bucks, you can get a burger, two beers, and, and parking for yeah. 16 bucks. And the parking part of that does not influence the $16. Yeah, it's it's all going into the food. It's basically, the, like, if you're building a Titan Stadium... And and you want it like you want <laughs> you want three dollars to go towards beer. You want another three dollars to go towards beer. You want ten dollars to go towards the burger and zero dollars from the city to pay for parking. That's basically what the, this is. The Titan Stadium version of a meal during a Predators game. And this that, is I think that analogy most, made sense. This is the most tortured analogy yet in a Jasper's yeah. ad. Really? That's the worst one. This is the this is the lowest. We've, no, no, we've it's gone? the most tortured. It's not the worst, but oh. it is the most tortured. Wow, those are two different things. Okay. <laughs> All right. Glad to know I've done such a wonderful job for Jaspers. Uh, th- thanks for being a partner for, for us here at Flamestream and 440 Sports. We appreciate it. <laughs> Go to Jaspers, everybody. It is the next evolution of the sports bar. How much how much of your audience is coming to you live versus how much of them are were coming to you kind of shifted? And, and 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 either like in a pod form or or just watching it later i mean it really it really depended on what was going on what time of the year but we had a lot of people uh you know tune in tune in live um people well, we were 7 and 10 in the morning so people will hook up their apps to their to their uh, ox cord in the car or apple play or however they did it um and they would listen during their commute and then when they got home or when they got to work they would listen on the app. So one thing that we wanted to do is um, really make it easy for people to consume us. You can listen to us while you're on the toilet. Cool, man, that works. <laughs> or you listen to us while you're at work. Well, now, if you if you are driving in a car and you listen to traditional radio and you, there's a good conversation going on, like you have to you get out at some point or you're going to be late for work. So we wanted to be able to say, all right, Here's an app, unplug the app, have some Bluetooth headphones and just continue to rock with the conversation while you're at work. So we just wanted to make it easy uh, for people. But our podcast numbers um, really started to become really staggering and surprising me, actually, um, because I just kind of keep my head down and don't really pay attention to the good or the bad. Just try to focus on getting better each and every day. Um, But you look up and you're like, oh, my gosh, man, that's 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 pretty good. 
And uh, when you start having clients and uh, advertisers reach out to you wanting to get on your show, that means I guess you're doing something well. I remember when uh, we was begging people to, to, to have us on, you know, uh, was begging them to advertise with us when I first started on the smaller station. And now it's a little bit different. So it just goes to show that we work pretty hard. And um, you, know, you, you work hard, you kind of get the fruits of your labor. So the decision then comes to join a, a large company, do a show with Josh Ward in, in, on WNML middays there. Or I guess, yeah, middays, what is it, 12 to 3 Eastern, right? We're all here in Nashville, so 11 yep. to 2. Um, obviously, you guys totally planned your first ever show around all of the baseball, of course. You, you launch a yeah. show and you talk about nothing but baseball. But <laughs> what, what, was the, what were the things that you had to weigh when you made a decision to sort of, you know, you have your own thing and you're owning it. And like you said, you're proud of the numbers, you're proud of the growth, but it's a lot of work and it's a grind versus, all right, now I'm going to be a part of this bigger team where I've got a sales staff and, and all this other stuff. Like what, what were the things you had to decide on when you made that decision to, to join that company and, and, and pair up with a, a radio station and Josh? Uh, my time, like my time is like the most valuable thing ever. I think time is the most valuable thing that anyone has because you just never get that back. Um, one thing I'm proud of is that I'm a great dad. And, um, the reason why I selected my time slot is because I can go have lunch with my kids at school. I pick my kids up from school each and every day. Um, if I needed to, if my kids get sick, I can go pick them up. And, um, like being there was very, very important to me. Um, I was, I was raised by my mom and dad. So I want to make sure like my kids have that, um, but time was something I weighed. Okay, I'm doing three hours in the afternoon. Um, the mornings, I get to take my kids to school. I get to have those precious moments with my kids. And then I get to pick them up for, from school too. And that's pretty, that was, that, that was important to me. Um, let's be honest here, it's business, right? So finances was important. You know, what I was able to generate myself um, and how, what, what am I going to be compensated um, joining a team? Uh, I played football. I was part of a team. I was a captain when I played on a team, but it's really been like me against the world for eight years. And so I look at myself as a boss. I have been a boss. And that's a mentality. That's not a label. That's a mentality. And I still have that mentality. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur um, at, at heart. Uh, I have been since I finished playing ball. So it's an adjustment for sure. Um, being part of a huge team and you know, the, the corporate uh, way of things. Um, so I'm still adjusting to that. I'll just be honest. Um, but I did see opportunity to have a bigger platform, uh, have more people doing some of the things that I had to do by myself. Uh, and it was, it was a grind. You mentioned it. Uh, it. It was, it was heavy on your shoulders, having to worry about, you know, equipment. I would do remotes. I have all the remote equipment, um, have all the equipment here. And so if something goes wrong, I had to play engineer too. And so I don't have to worry about those things. So um, there's, there's some big adjustment, but uh, there's a lot of things that I don't have to worry about, which is good. I just worry about content and making a good show. And uh, that takes a lot of weight off, off me. I'm interested uh, right now, fall baseball has gotten huge. What is it for a football town? Uh, and, and a place that kind of revolves around UT. I mean, that town revolves around UT football. What's it, what's it like? Is it, is it, are, are people legitimately excited about it? Is it kind of small, but growing? Is it a big thing now? I mean, they're number one in the country. So they're, I mean, they're really, really good. What, what's, what's it like kind of being there in the middle of it? So like um, a couple of years ago when Bruce Pearl was here as a basketball coach, and um, he was number one in the country that beat beat Memphis. It was like it was it was some real excitement here. And places like Tennessee, you look at Auburn. Um, I use those two as an example right now. But you have all this passion for football. And what Bruce Pearl showed you is that if you go to a place where you know the passion is there and you win, like you're gonna get some of those fans. You may not get all the football fans because it's a lot of them, but you'll get a lot of them on your side who like basketball, who in this case like baseball. So 
Smokies is up the street. You have the Braves right here. I mean, if you live in the South, I mean, you have Braves shoved down your throat. And a lot of people are <laughs> Braves fans. And um, so there's a lot of baseball fans in this area. The baseball team just wasn't good. I mean, quite frankly, it wasn't good. Uh, the stadium, just just not good. And there's still a lot of work to be done in that area. But it's the personality of Tony Vitello that fits in with this fan base. It's the personality of, of this team. And they're winning. But it's, it's, it's a lot of excitement. Anytime there's a new saying or a new quote, oh, it's going on a T-shirt and it's selling out. Um, you know, people looked at Tennessee as villains. Well, there's a villain T-shirt about baseball sold out. Mike Honcho that <laughs> was brought up. Mike Hon- Honcho shirts sold out. So yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of fans right now that's jacked about Tennessee baseball. You go on social media, and my timeline is Tennessee baseball, and that lets you know that yeah, there's a lot of baseball fans, and they're pumped about their school being number one. You know, you mentioned at the very beginning of the show that. You know, you you wanted to tell the athlete's story because there's a lot of misconceptions from the media that don't know about the athlete's story. There's also a lot about the media world that athletes don't understand when they get into that. And I've worked with a lot of coaches and a lot of players who show up and think it's just it, they can just show up. And we've talked to Ron Slay a lot about this. I know you probably know Ron and Ron is was willing to do a one hour show in the middle of nowhere down in South Nashville to buy himself to like get reps and like to study the business of, of this all. What is it like for you as a football player talking about basketball and baseball? And, I, you know, I don't know if the Preds are on a run. Do you guys even mention them? The tight, like what, what is it like for you studying other things, other sports and honing like the media craft as opposed to the athlete craft, if that makes sense? I mean, you got to have a respect for, for the industry. I mean, if, if you don't, you're not going to make it. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for the industry and kind of what, the 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 best media guys uh what they do and the work they put in um you know i grew up playing football and basketball uh, i watched baseball because it was on in my in my house wasn't necessarily a baseball fan um but i just i just love growing as a person and growing um in my profession something that i'm not good at or may, maybe not know about i like learning about it you know i like learning about different people that come from different backgrounds, people that don't look like me. I like learning about their culture, uh, learning about what matters to them. And the same thing is for um, sports. I mean, I, I grew up playing football, basketball. That's it. Uh, hockey? Well, I didn't know what hockey was. <laughs> man. And here we go. I remember a couple of years ago, the prayers were going on a run, and it was just really cool to, to, to pay attention to it and, and learn more about the, the, the hockey uh, the sport, the only thing I liked about hockey was the fighting. The fighting was all <laughs> I wanted to see. Um, but having a respect for the craft and the industry and the people that did it before you, it's, I think it, it, it will force you to round out some of those sharp edges and learn about other sports that maybe you didn't know. So um, that's kind of where I am. I know Ron probably feels kind of the same way. Uh, because he wants to be the best that he can be, and um, I feel the same way too. When you were getting when you were getting started, who did you look at and say, you know, if I ended up if I could do something as good as if I could broadcast as good as X, or if I had a show that that was as good as as this guy's or or, or that that woman's, what who who do who did you like, and what were you what, you know what were you modeling after? Um, I had somebody ask me a question uh, a couple weeks ago that was like. You want to be the next blank? And I was like, nah, I just want to be me. I just want to be a better version of me. But when I first started, I would I would watch guys like Dan Dan Patrick and Colin Cowherd because those guys would be doing the show by themselves and they'll be talking to themselves as if they're talking to a large group in a room. And that was something that like I picked up on is all right, well, it's just you. How do you have a conversation with your audience, but your audience is not in the room? And so that was a skill that I, that I really, really uh, got a chance to kind of sharpen and, and, and develop. Still not where I wanted to be, but that's why I watch those guys. Um, I know some guys are more hot take artists than others. Uh, I didn't want to do that. That's not what I wanted to do. And I told myself if I had to do that to be successful, 
that I would go do something else. I did not want to be a guy that yeah. says something yeah. but didn't really mean it just to get the reaction. I didn't want to do that. Um, so there was some some a lot of people that I watched and listened to. I was like, okay, I like that. That's cool. All right, all right. No, I can't be that guy. No, I can't be that guy. But uh, starting off, it was Dan Patrick. It was Colin Cowherd. Uh, you know, big fan of like Stephen A. Smith, Bomani Jones. Um, just a lot of a lot of guys. A lot of guys. I would pick up little things here and there from, and kind of put into my own game. But at the end of the day, you just want to be the best version of yourself. Yeah, I'm glad to see Bo get the show he's got now on HBO because I think it's the right format for him. Like, I think he does that show really well. And it yeah. wasn't as, you know, there's other formats he's tried, but like being, like you said, being at a desk, talking to your audience, sort of having your own opinion. You're not yelling and screaming about something. Like, I, I know my wife is, just feels like I talk to my own audience all day, but like she she's like, I'm glad you figured out something to do with it, Braden. But it's funny because like, I don't, I think about this all the time. I just don't have hot takes. Like I don't have, I have an opinion about a lot of things, but sometimes it takes me days to get there. Like I, yeah. you know, I, I want to take time to think about something. And all of a sudden five days later, I feel very different about Chris rock than I did the night it happened. You know what I mean? Like I, I it took me days to get to where I wanted to be on an, on a thought. And if I'm on the air, I've got to scream and yell about it like that morning. And I don't, I don't, it just doesn't come naturally to me. So I, I, yeah, I mean, like, I remember when I was younger, and I would tell, like, a little white lie, not to, you know, not to get in trouble. Um, thinking I was going to get in big trouble, really, I wasn't going to get in trouble, but I would tell a white lie. And I was sat down, and my uncle told me, like, when you tell a lie, now you have to tell another lie to cover up that lie, and then another lie to cover up that lie. And then, before you know it, you kind of forget the lies that you told, and the truth was going to come out. And I, would, I take that saying approaching radio you're not necessarily telling a lie but like you're not being genuine i mean you're not really yeah. saying what you believe and then at some point you're gonna say something that contradicts what you said before and then you got both blue cheeks out you look like a total ass so i just i just feel like it's just best to be honest um the whole entire time and if you don't know if you, you don't know man it's all it's okay to not have a hot take it's all good and, and heaven forbid you actually change your opinion because like that's illegal in the world now. Like you're not allowed to change your opinion. Oh my God, we changed our opinion. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like, you know, um, if player A punches player B in the face, you're like, oh my God, player A is a terrible person. But then as the information change, guess what? Your opinion changes. You find out that player B called players A mom a hippo. Well, you don't talk about somebody's mom. You gotta, you gotta punch him, man. That's that is a punchable offense. So when the information changes, your opinion changes, and that's okay. Um, how would Jason Swain, circa two thousand and two, let's say hypothetically for about eight million dollars, how would you have handled building a brand as a junior in high school, a teenager? How how would you have would you have been able to do that the way these kids are doing it now, the way Nico's doing it again, hypothetically for $8 million? No, I wouldn't be able to do that because I'm an introvert, man. Like deep down naturally I'm an introvert. Like I'm, I'm not really talking like that unless I'm working. Um, I, you know, I was the only child, so I had to be creative and, and, and how I would play. Uh, it was just me. And I got three kids, so I appreciate quiet time. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not someone that's going to walk up to somebody and be talking. Uh, it just it just depends on the situation in the moment. But, like, I'm a natural introvert. And so I'm not a me, me, be selfie guy. My Instagram is super, super dormant. My wife gets on to me like, you got to go on Instagram. It's for your brand. I was like, I'm not walking around with a selfie stick. I'm not – that's not me. So, honestly – I would have been a guy that was like, hey, man, let's go, let's go play some ball. Um, I was tired of the recruiting process. Um, 2002, committing in December, was considered early for a guy that was a borderline five-star. Now, like, you know, the rules have changed a lot, but, like, I committed early. Uh, Fox Sports reached out to me and was like, hey, do you want to come to Atlanta and do your commitment on live TV? And I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> you want to wait till you know the u.s army all-american game and do your commitment there and i was like no nah, i'm good so i just made my commitment early and i didn't want to do any of that stuff so yeah this would have been this would have been different for me um i 
we see recruits doing a really good job of, of building their brand. Um, some of it is understandable. Some of it is damn annoying, to be honest, man. It's like, do you want to play football? Or do you want to, you want to be a movie star? Do you want, I mean, you want to be a TikTok star? So um, I know football coaches may not <laughs> like it sometimes, but uh, it would have been, it would have been a challenge for me for sure. How's the dynamic, how's uh, the dynamic of doing a show now that's, that's, you're not just yourself. How, how is it kind of working with somebody else and trying to get that rhythm, get the give and take going? Tell us how awful Josh Ward is. Can you do that, please? I mean, you can do that. Well, <laughs> he, eats, he eats salad without dressing, which is oh, weird. Oh, come on. That's, that's weird. But other than that's, that, man, that's he's bad. Pretty, he's a pretty stand-up guy. Like, so I wasn't working by myself before. I had guys that, that, that worked with me and – I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now if it wasn't for them. Guys like Seth Stokes, guys like Ben McKee, who was my co-host, his name just was on the show. Um, and he was as important to the show as I was. Um, so we, us two, we play like multiple roles. So he was like producer slash co-host. Um, I was manning the, the video component of the show. So I was like producing the video. He's producing the audio. Um but he was, I mean, he was like, he was like Josh for me. Uh, his name just wasn't on the show. Now for Josh and Swain, like it's different because I, I'm still learning about Josh. I don't really know him. Like I know Ben, you know, Ben, I went to his wedding. I remember when he was, you know, graduated college. Now he's married, about to have a kid. Um, you know, I've been to his parents' house back home in Huntsville. You know, the, he, he obviously comes to my house every single day doing the show. Um, you know, my kid, so it's, it's different. So I'm just learning about Josh. Uh, but you know, he's a guy that if I was going to make that move, that it would be working with him. Honestly, I didn't see myself working with anybody else. Um, and Josh, no offense to anybody else who's on the station. But yeah, I mean, we're still learning about each other. Well, I'll, I'll give a couple of shout outs here to both of them. Ben, ben by the way, if you are a SEC baseball fan, you need to be following Ben McKee. I'm not sure anybody is is doing a better work covering SEC baseball than than he does, um, sure. which is why, of course, he had to announce his his uh, baby's gender or sex with a big old baseball bat, of course. Sure. Um, and Josh, I, this is a true story, Jason. Josh taught me. He was 19 years old. He taught me how to run a board when I was a senior at UT, and he was like four years younger than me. And was teaching me everything I needed to know about how to like be in radio and no idea what my life was going to be like, you know, when I was 21 years old or whatever. And here's this 19 year old kid just teaching me how to how to run everything in the studio. Um, so I, I've known Josh for darn near 20 years and uh, you guys are going to do a great job. It's gonna be a great show. Um, I can't, you know, listen, I'm, I'm just glad I get to hang out with you guys on Wednesdays. So, uh, appreciate your time, man. You've given us a lot of it. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Congratulations on the new gig again, Josh and Swain, uh, WNML in Knoxville, check it out. You can stream it everywhere, all over the app and everything. So thank you, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, anytime guys, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. I uh, look forward to doing it again, man. Keep rocking. Awesome. Thank you, Jet. All right. See you. That was Jason Swain, of course, of Josh and Swain now on WNML in Knoxville. And I just think a, a really interesting perspective on why he got into the media, uh, sort of his view of the media. I could not agree more. It's a total echo chamber for me personally that like, I'm just not a hot take. Per I don't have hot takes. I don't. I just want to have a conversation and tell stories. And I think Jason has kind of carried that through his career. A, a lot of hard work and sort of individual effort by him to get where he is and, and glad to see him successful because he's a guy, he's got a great perspective and he's a really thoughtful guy and, and uh, wish him the best of luck. So good dude. I'm gonna have to check out that show. I, 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 I <laughs> the, as we were talking about the other day, like the amount of things I have to listen to in, right now anyway is voluminous and uh, trying to fit other stuff in is hard, but uh, I, I'm going to try to find, I like Josh a lot. Uh, and, uh, and, and Swain is just, just comes off as just, just like really down to earth guy. I, I want to see how, I want to see how that works on air. I, what I, what I really like, so obviously I mentioned it a little bit there, but Josh it means a lot to me, sort of teaching me a lot in, in my more formative and very early years in my career before I even knew I wanted to do sports talk radio. And, and he is like, he's got a very deadpan sarcastic sense of humor, but you wouldn't, you have to like know it when it happens. And um it's uh he's a super smart guy and uh 
just had his third kid. So congratulations to Josh. And, and uh, so a lot, a lot of, a lot of children on that show between Josh and Jason. <laughs> so go check it out. It's a really good show. If you're a Tennessee fan, uh, obviously you're going to like what you hear on that program as well. All right. Ratings and recommendations. Let's get to recommendations here. Cause I just, I, I'm going to be pretty quick because I don't think I need to describe anything more than just Dane Brugler's the beast for the NFL draft on the athletic. I think that's all I kind of need to say. Because if you would like to study, prepare, be, be ready for the NFL draft, pay for good journalism at The Athletic and, and sign up for the National Banner. But also, just read Dane, Blue, Dane Brugler's The Beast <laughs> on The Athletic. It's kind of literally everything you'd ever need to, to know about the, uh, about the NFL draft. So go check that out. The Beast on The Athletic by Dane Brugler. There you go. I, I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> you, you've already you've already killed him a couple times. i got it right twice i screwed it up the third time two and one that wins you a playoff series okay all right um so i have a, a so i have an interview that i want to recommend uh if you are an atlanta fan uh the show on fx uh the donald glover show on fx uh it is really good i mean it is it's like one of the best shows on tv good uh there is an interview in uh funnily enough interview magazine uh and headline in it is donald glover interviews donald glover <laughs> and glover and the whole premise behind it is glover wanted to i mean when you when you go to promote a show you go on these just press junkets and you and, and you try to talk to everybody. And so what happens is, is, is all of these outlets want their five minutes with you so that they can has, say, you know, hey, you know, our outlet, you know, lamestream sports exclusively talk to Donald Glover about it, about Atlanta. And when what happens <laughs> is, is they end up answering the same question uh, all the time. There are there are hilarious sort of uh, uh, different supercuts of press junkets gone awry and. Yep. You know, there's a really good one of like the Avengers cast in this last time around for, for the for the last movie, uh, just like like openly combat not combative but like like poking fun at interviewers for asking the same questions all the time, uh, and so Glover wanted to Glover <laughs> wanted to get around this by interviewing himself, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> it is it's it's a little trippy, it is so much fun. Uh, and it is just Glover is, is one of the most creative people uh, you'll 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 find out there right now. I mean, uh, you know, he has a music career. He has an acting career. Super creative guy. Uh, Atlanta is is a fantastic show. Yeah, Go read this thing. Donald Glover interviews Donald Glover. <laughs> there you have it. Recommendations so for the show today uh ratings will wrap up here today by the way go to jaspers of course the parking is free the happy hours are wonderful the menu is evolved and it's just frankly a great place to watch any game again you got grizzlies playoff games coming up on saturday um and uh against the timberwolves and then of course you've got a seven game series and then you've got the predators with eight games left to go in the regular season you got the nfl draft coming up as well you got nashville sc games so uh, all all perfect place to go uh hang out there tv ratings Number five on the list. I, I told you this last week. It's going to be four rounds of the Masters and the National Championship game. Number five, first round, 2.1. Number four, Masters, second round, 3.1. Okay. Set, now we get to the weekend. People make the cut. People have more time on their hands. Masters, third round, 6.5. Tiger Woods. TV rating. <laughs> well, that third round, it's interesting. It, Tiger Woods was not really a factor at that point. Uh, Masters, final round. 7.5. Now, I think that number would be would have been significantly larger, in particular after because I, I want to say Connor Smith or Cameron Smith went into the water on 12 at Amen Corner, and that sort of like ended the the turn. Yeah, it was just kind of a coronation. Yeah. Roy Roy McElroy, uh, I don't know if you saw this, hold out from the bunker on 18 uh, and got to minus seven. So it was one of those things where you're where you're where you're going. Okay, I've seen people melt down on the back nine before. Let's see if it happened. Right, right. Never happened. And, and well, never and, even close. And, matter of fact, he double bogeyed on 18 
And everybody was just laughing about it because right. he was he was five shots ahead going into the final hole. So well, and and he like he he played it extra conservatively. Like when you're when you're 30 yards off the green to the left of the green on 12, you're just not even going at the pin at that point. You're no. like, I'm just gonna take water out of the equation because I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get up and down from here. But if I get a bogey, a bogey's fine, a bogey's better than what it could be. And right. and that's when Smith went in the water, and that was kind of the end of it at 12. So like you do miss like six six more holes of potential you know drama there that keeps that rating down to about a 7.5 number one tv show sports tv show in the market all of these ratings courtesy of mark binda news channel five each rating point worth about uh 11 000 tv homes in nashville the national championship game now i'm curious what you think about this so baylor gonzaga pulled a 17.7 a year last year in the national championship game wasn't really a particularly close game. I think Baylor led for most of the way. This was the largest comeback in history of a championship game. It was two massive brands, Kansas and North Carolina, and it pulled an 11.6. How many people turned off at halftime, though, because they were just like, I can't watch another blowout? But but don't you... Uh, that's an interesting point, because of those people, don't you figure... Don't, doesn't somehow, some way, it work into your your content in your life somehow at home on Monday night that the game is that they're making a, con- aren't you going to check back in uh, at some see, point? Like it was, it was a phenomenal basketball game between two powerhouses. I, I just, I'm, I'm a little shocked that the number is like almost 50% down from last year. Uh, I was hate watching at that point. So uh, <laughs> why? Because I hate both of those programs. Oh, I mean, okay. I, okay. I just, like I hate Carolina. I mean, it was funny. Uh, it was, I was on a big text thread on the Saturday night uh, game uh, for Carolina Duke. And the, the whole, the whole tone of the thread was who do we hate more in this game? <laughs> like who, who do, who do we, well, okay. It ends in tears for coach K great, but Carolina is still in the national championship game. Yeah. I mean, that's not good. It, it didn't bother me uh, at all to watch a phenomenal second half where it was back and forth in the final eight minutes of the game. It was a great basketball game. It was a great basketball game. I guess was, I, just, I was able was to compartmentalize good. better than you. I it guess. was great watching Carolina lose. It was. <laughs> I didn't mind that part. Maybe. Although I would have said if you're Hubert Davis and you win that national championship game, don't you just quit? Like oh, one, yeah. One year oh, on the absolutely. job. Like you, you, there'd, be a, there, there'd be a 30 for 30 about you if you won a championship in any sport in one year and then quit. Yeah, like you would you would be like one of the most famous coaches in the history of all of sports. Yes. So I but it didn't happen. So, I, I mean, Kansas has got its own <laughs> backstory <laughs> and issues in this situation as well. It does sound a little bit like a like an upset Belmont grad whose players have all left for greener pastures. <laughs> Look, man, I, I'm that, that, don't 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 poke. the wound is still fresh. Don't OK, sorry. That. My bad. My bad. I think Steve is campaigning for new transfer portal rules. Let's just put it that way. Um, All right, man. Uh, Transfer portal. Special thanks to Jason Swain for hanging out with us. Everyone out there, keep on, keep on grievance. All right. Just all the grievances. Just keep on doing it, man. You guys are doing a great job out there on the internet. Congratulations. Do it on Twitter because. Yeah. Congratulations. That's what Twitter's built for. (laughs) So ridiculous. It's just absurd how, where we find grievance these days is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, All right. Steve, thank you so much for hanging out. Of course, thanks to uh, Jason Swain as well. My name's Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out the YouTube page. Push all the buttons, all the buttons we ask you to push all over the place. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you again next week. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.